It's the story every teacher needs to hear. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Now, if you followed the podcast, you know I've been off the air for a few months, eight to be exact. Back in 2020, I was tapped to serve as the president of Lancaster Bible College Capital Seminary and Graduate School. I began my role on February 1, 2020. And between the transition and COVID, this podcast has had to take a back seat. Until now. It's back, and in the days ahead, I think it will be better than ever at helping you capture some of Reading's aha moments. Now, of course, you can always visit onmywalk.com to discover what I'm reading, and you can take a look at some of the book reviews I've posted there. I've already put up five for the year. But today, I want to talk about Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. Now, full confession, I'm late to the Hillbilly party. J.D. Vance published his memoir in 2016. Ron Howard produced the film in 2020. And you may be wondering, why are you even talking about that book? Well, for two reasons. First, I think Hillbilly Elegy provides necessary social commentary on these racially charged, politically tense, uh, free speech endangered days in which we live. But I'm not going to address that. If you want me to, drop me a line at tommy at onmywalk.com and, and we'll talk about that. But the second reason has to do with life lessons. Usually, anytime we stop to listen long enough to someone's story, there are lessons to be learned. And that's the case here. I got to this spot in his book and I said, whoa, every teacher needs to hear this story. So before you listen, let me put this clip in its context. J.D. Vance grew up in the Rust Belt city of Middletown, Ohio, and the Appalachian town of Jackson, Kentucky. And if you've not read the book, and to give you a little context, to say that his family was dysfunctional is like putting it mildly. Vance grew up in the midst of drugs, his mom's, instability, a father who gave him up for adoption, and a mother who had like a revolving door of men in her life. He grew up in the midst of generational anger, and also at the same time, the hard but unconditional love of his grandparents, his papa and his mama. Now, about 90 pages into the story, Vance recounts what it was like as a teenager to be reunited with his biological father. And when Vance writes about this, he shares almost in passing about running into his kindergarten teacher 20 years after the time his real father gave him up for adoption. Listen to what he describes. Dad's faith attracted me even though I learned early on that it had played a significant role in the adoption that led to our long separation. While I really enjoyed the time we spent together, the pain of that adoption remained and we spoke often of how and why it happened in the first place. For the first time, I heard his side of the story, that the adoption had nothing to do with a desire to avoid child support, and that, far from simply giving me away, as Mom and Mamaw had said, Dad had hired multiple lawyers and done everything within reason to keep me. He worried that the custody war was destroying me. When I saw him during visitations before the adoption, I would hide under the bed for the first few hours, fearful that he would kidnap me and never let me see Mamaw again. Seeing his son in such a frightened state led him to reconsider his approach. Mamaw hated him, a fact I knew firsthand. 
but Dad said her hatred stemmed from the early days of his marriage to Mom, when he was far from a perfect husband. Sometimes, when he came to pick me up, Mamma would stand on the porch and stare at him, unblinking, clutching a hidden weapon. When he spoke to the court's child psychiatrist, he learned that I had begun acting out at school and was showing signs of emotional problems. This I know to be true. After a few weeks in kindergarten, I was held back for a year. Two decades later, I ran into the teacher who had endured my first foray into kindergarten. She told me that I behaved so badly that she had nearly quit the profession three weeks into her first year of teaching. That she remembered me 20 years later says a lot about my misbehavior. Now, when I heard that incident the other day, I thought this story is a story that every teacher needs to hear. I was thinking about it theoretically, you know, kind of the way that one might think about a chicken soup for the soul story, like, I need to file that away. But today, I need to hear this story. You see, I'm surrounded by teenagers and young 20-somethings. And some of them, they just blow me away with their maturity, their love for God, their willingness to work hard in the class and out of the class, their thoughtfulness to others. It's amazing. And then there are those few recalcitrant students, the EGR student, that extra grace required student. The ones I want to give a metaphorical kick in the seat of the pants or or really a literal kick to the curb. But then I think of J.D. Vance, and I think of where he came from, and I think of what he endured, and I think of where he is today. He was that recalcitrant student. How bad was he? He was so bad, his teacher almost quit. So my aha moment was really a simple, don't give up on that recalcitrant student. Now, that's the admonition, but here's the reason. The reason we don't give up is because we're not God. The writer of Proverbs notes, a man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? In other words, I see a point in time. God sees beginning to end. I, I can try to influence a step. God can change the heart. I can change the have to. You have to do this. You have to do that. God can change the want to. I get worn out with that difficult person. God never gets worn out. And, and then I think back about some of the stories of the people in Scripture. I think about Deborah. And Deborah was just a little girl in her village. But not always. She became a leader of her nation. I think about Gideon. Gideon was the guy who hid out in a wine press, coward, but not always. He became the deliverer of his people. I think about David. David was just a shepherd boy, but not always. King David is now a household name. I think about Paul. Paul was the guy who persecuted Christians, but not always. Now we know him as the Apostle Paul and the proclaimer of the gospel. And so I think about that and I remember, don't give up on that recalcitrant student or friend or son or daughter or neighbor or parent or you get the picture. You're not God, but God can change the human heart. And that's my thought on my walk with J.D. Vance and Hillbilly Elegy. 
Now the question is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today?